690 in the church Bibles. You want to be turning there while we have a few things to mention. From an announcement standpoint, um, on September 25th, it's a Sunday in the evening at 6, I believe. Is that right? Okay. 6 p.m. we'll have the trumpets celebration here at the church, and there will be a meal, so we need sign-ups and all that, so we have headcounts. Uh, that's September the 25th. Sunday evening at 6 p.m. So be sure, uh, I guess the sign-up sheet's already back there. Okay, great. All right, also back to our prayer list. Raul Jr. starts chemo this week. Is that right? Okay. All right, how's spirits pretty good? 
good. Amen. We'll continue to pray for him in that. Um, little Kylie, we're going to continue to pray for God's provision there. Uh, wow. God's good. I tell you, he's doing some amazing things with that little precious doll and around her. Um, Linda, uh, she had some tests this week and is not feeling very well today, so we'll continue to pray for her. And we're going to continue to pray for Lee Martin. He had a surgery um, about a week and a half ago. And we're going to continue to pray the Lord would work in mighty ways in Lee and his family. So today we're going to be reading uh, Psalm 103, 1 through 8. <clears throat> Some amazing truths in there about who, who our God is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all of your inequities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we <clears throat> pray for understanding, Lord, and more about who you are. These words, I know, Lord, uh, sometimes we can flippantly see these words on a t-shirt or a coffee cup, but Lord, they are so deep in truth. And Lord, I pray you help us to realize and be in awe and to be on our face when we realize who you are. So we bless you. Uh, we thank you for this truth. And God, I just pray for these. Uh, we uh, pray as we prepare for this season of trumpets, these fall feasts, Lord, which have yet to be fulfilled in your perfect time. Lord, we, we come with excitement to this time of year. Uh, Lord, because that is the season that we know that you'll return. Bless you. Father, we uh, pray for these today, Lord, that we have on our list. We continue to pray for Raul Jr. <clears throat> As the doctors attend to him, Lord, we pray you would work in his heart and in his life, Lord, <clears throat> that he would see you, he would know you, he would come to know you in a, in a great way. And Lord, for little Kylie, Lord, we don't know this precious doll yet, but God, we know that you have awesome plans for her. So we pray your blessing on her and her and Rick and Amanda as they walk through this. And Lord, we know many times we've seen you do things that the medicine and the doctors don't understand. So that's what we're praying for, Jesus, for Kylie, that you would be her great physician and uh, you would amaze those who have a lot of knowledge <clears throat> but they are not you so we trust you in this and uh, father we also lift up linda pray you continue to heal her and strengthen her and lord so that she can come back and join us and, and feel better and lord we also continue to lift up the martin family uh, lord uh, in this serious surgery that, that lee had we pray you continue to heal his body physically but lord we pray for a complete spiritual healing for this family as well as lord that is what your your purpose is always 
is to reach us in our spiritual way. Bless you. We thank you for this day. What an awesome day it is to come to you, Lord, uh, to be reminded that you you do also control the seasons and have the seasons change and have a beautiful fall morning that we can get up and come to your house and worship you. It's just a reminder of who you are. Bless you, Lord, we pray. Uh, accept our praise and teach us today. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. this King of glory, beautiful and matchless one. Who is this King so holy? Every knee will bow at His throne. Jesus, the
was rich I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time Sin separated The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your side So you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owe Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I had hope Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white Thank you, Jesus, you have saved Into glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now, death. Thank you, Jesus. Watch me. 
Well, good morning. I don't know that I've ever began with a message by saying, without saying something like I'm excited for this word, but that's an understatement. I am overwhelmed with excitement to share this word for you today. The Lord has been um, teaching me over this last week and correcting some things in my spiritual mind. And that is what we're here for, for things that are not correct spiritually to be corrected, for things that the Lord has already shown us to be enlarged, and for us as a church to be united in fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit so we can be in fellowship with one another as a body. And that is today's message. So if you join me, we're going to begin in Philippians chapter 1. On the church's Bible, page 1348, Philippians chapter 1, page 1348. So last week we began to study uh, and, and understand some background things for this letter that's written to the Philippian church. And I want to go back through a few of those things to kind of um, remind us of the things that we're studying and reading about. So Philippi was a city, 
where Paul and some other apostles began and started a church 10 years before the letter that we read was written to them. Philippi as a city was especially Roman. They were committed to Roman ways, worshiping of pagan gods, and one of the few cities that still spoke Latin. They were all things Roman. Paul had wanted to go to Asia and start new churches there. And several times, the Lord and the Holy Spirit changed Paul's direction and really forced them to end up in Macedonia, in what we would call Greece, and ultimately led them to this city, Philippi. Paul and Timothy and Silas would spend just over a week in Philippi with a diverse new group of believers before they would be asked to leave that city. So imagine a city where there was no synagogue, no presence of God's spirit, no fellowship of believers, and Paul and a few other apostles spend just a week there sowing into them the things of the gospel. And God's spirit was so present that that church began to flourish. This is the church that Paul writes to 10 years later. So we flash forward to his letter, and Paul is in prison in Rome. When the Philippians heard Paul was in prison, they commissioned a man named Epaphroditus, who was part of their church, a part of their fellowship, to take money and spend some time with Paul and support him both financially and physically. And so Epaphroditus makes this long journey from Philippi to Rome. Along the way, Epaphroditus will become deathly ill, ill where he cannot really go on. Thankfully, Epaphroditus battles to make it to Rome. Uh, the Philippian church somehow found out about this. Word had gotten back. And so I imagine that this church is praying for Epaphroditus, praying for the Lord's will to be done and joining him in what the Lord was doing. So Epaphroditus makes it to Paul. And um, Paul's grateful for the financial support that he brought and grateful for the fellowship that he shared. Epaphroditus updated Paul on the things that are going on in Philippi with the church and in the community. And so Paul says, thank you very much, but I need you to go back with a letter that I'm going to send you. He says he'll take the money, but he doesn't need Epaphroditus to stay there with him. He needs it to make, make it back. So essentially in Paul's letter, he wants to express three things to the church in Philippi. First, he wants to say thank you for Epaphroditus and for the, the great work that he did to labor and make it to Rome. He wants to warn the Philippians against things that he has seen prevalent in other churches like Galatia and Corinth and Ephesus, church that, churches that we read about that are filled with uh, idolatry or bickering, heresy and false teaching. He wants to guard this church against those things. And finally, he wants to urge the Philippians not to be divided from the Spirit of God. So last week we talked about the heresy, the false teaching of Christian unity. This idea that has gone out in mainstream church is on podcasts and sermons, in books, and coffee mugs. This idea of unity 
where people are united, but this doesn't necessarily require unity with the Spirit. There was a quarrel in the church at Philippi. Two members named Euodia and Syntyche. And this quarrel was great enough that it was affecting the entire church. So Paul urges Euodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. We read this last week in chapter 4, verse 2. Paul's response to this quarrel so great that it's bringing division in this church and his instruction to them is to be of the same mind in the Lord. He doesn't care what the disagreement is over. He doesn't tell them to shake hands and kiss each other with a holy kiss and get over it. Instead, Paul tells them to be of the same mind. He explains their need to be united with the Holy Spirit of God. So we're going to continue to understand this today, and I'm excited for this because Paul's message to be of the same mind is not putting a band-aid on a physical or spiritual situation. It is going to the root of this cancer, which is not being unified in the Holy Spirit. Imagine any situation in the church where there is division, where there is disagreement, and the root of it is not an issue. It is not a person. It is out of disunity from the Holy Spirit that is the reason we are here today. So what we're going to read this morning is in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which really make up Paul's introduction to this letter. So let's read together, beginning in verse 1. We'll read through verse 11. Paul writes this, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for all of you with joy for your fellowship and the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for you are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve of the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a great word. What a great introduction to a letter. This would warm my heart, but more than that, I would feel encouraged in the fellowship of the Spirit. And that's exactly what Paul's aim is to do. So this introduction is, as we talked about last week, it it follows what would have been normal for a letter, for a memo of the day. And so Paul begins in verses 1 and 2 with a greeting. And he greets them with some special words. And then instead of giving a synopsis of what he's writing about, like most letters, Paul will give two prayers. 
In verses 3 through 8, he'll give a first prayer that we'll talk about in a minute. And in 9 through 11, he'll give a second prayer. This prayer is meant to unite Paul and this church that are separated in the Spirit of God. That is the purpose of our fellowship together today and always. To be united in the Spirit of God. And I'm going to say statements like that multiple times today because it's so important that we be unbrainwashed from the things that have become popular and cultural and normal. To describe that just being here today is somehow uniting us. That things like our sin and our flesh are what unite us as believers because they are what is common among us. That our race or our gender or our city or our high school or our sports teams are what unite us is a heresy. It is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God only that unites us. And Paul begins this very significant letter by wanting to unite this church and himself and nothing other but the Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to focus on some potentially confusing language that Paul uses. Paul is a great writer, and he's especially careful with the words that he writes, but 2,000 years of history, 2,000 years of time can be difficult for us to maintain their intended meaning. So in his greeting in verses 1 and 2, Paul uses two very significant words. It says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Bond servants and saints are very significant words in Paul's letters. Bond servants, or as some of your translations may say, slaves. This is a difficult role to understand, especially when it's connected to our relationship with Jesus. And often this is taught in just kind of a, a flippant way, oh, we're supposed to be slaves to Christ, bond servants. We're supposed to be committed to the Lord. But this is a divisive word. For us, it likely brings up thoughts or images of the evil and degrading institution of slavery in America prior to the Civil War. Our country is marked by the evil of slavery. We're not long removed from this evil, yet we read this word, and I don't know what we do with it. The, the institution of slavery in Paul's day was probably a little better, probably with a little more humanity and respect because slave owners um, looked at slaves as investments and they wanted them um, well fed and well cared for so they could do their work for them. But whether in recent America or 2,000 years ago, slavery allowed total ownership of one person by another. So why then would Paul use this idea to describe a relationship he has with Jesus? Well, first, it's important that we know that Paul was well-versed in the understanding of slavery, not only because he had himself been imprisoned off and on for a total of five years, 
And not only because he addresses slavery in many of his letters, but because he'd known many believers who themselves were slaves. So let's look at a few passages where Paul addresses slavery and believers. First turn um, back the book before Philippians to Ephesians chapter 6, page 1347. Ephesians chapter 6, page 1347. So in Ephesians 6, Paul offers a radical way for slaves to think about their obligation not just to their masters, but unto the Lord. Read with me, beginning in verse 5. Paul says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. The good will, excuse me, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Next turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 in the church's Bible, page 1365. 1 Timothy 6, page 1 Timothy, we read that slaves should aim to attract other slaves to the gospel. Read in verse 1 and 2 with me. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And let those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. Final place we'll, we'll turn to is in 1 Corinthians 7, page 1316. 1 Corinthians 7, page 1316. Paul's going to tell us here that any slaves who can obtain freedom should do so. But he tells them that they're so to do so that, so that they can better serve the Lord. Let's read together in verse 21. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. Well, let me back up to verse 20. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. 
Were you called while a slave? Don't be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. When Paul uses the term slave to describe his relationship to Jesus, it's because no other figure of speech in the Greek language clearly expresses this total claim that God has on a believer's life. We can't have our own Jesus. We can't have our own God. We can't define who God is and the way we want him to work in our lives. He is either the master to us as a slave or he is not master at all. Paul takes this divisive term and he fills it up. He said, this is exactly who we are called to be in Christ Jesus. We are freed men as slaves to Christ. Turn back to Philippians 1 with me, page 1348. Philippians chapter 1, page 1348. The next thing Paul's going to do is he's going to call those that are in the Philippian church saints. Read that with me in the second half of chapter 1, verse 1. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Similar to slaves, this term has been misunderstood and its meaning therefore diminish and lost. About 100 years after Paul, the church started esteeming especially heroic or knowledgeable Christians as saints. Many churches today still do this and even pray to these spirits who have long been dead, asking for help or for God's favor. I should be clear that I do not believe this biblical at all and even consider this place witchcraft. It is evil, it is idolatry, and it is demonic. Scripture is clear that we are not to pray to the dead, nor are we to deify anyone but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Despite this fact, for centuries, Paul himself has been worshipped as a saint. And I'm very confident that his words that we'll read in his letters will make it clear that not only would he disapprove of these actions, but on the contrary, understanding what a saint is, is critical to his message. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in the church's Bible on page 1310. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
In 1 Corinthians, um, in chapter, well, let's read. Let's read first. Verses 1 through 3, please. Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified. In Christ Jesus, called to be saints. With all who in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, similar to what we read in, Corinth, excuse me, in Philippians, but Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, to those who have been sanctified. Your translation say, might say, to those who have been made holy, to those who have been made sacred. And then he says, in Christ Jesus who are called to be saints. Both sanctified and saints have the same root word in Greek, agios. And this word means sacred, set apart, or holy. So Paul is reminding these, these believers in the church at Corinth that the call of a believer is to be holy, to continue being set apart because you were already made holy. Now that, that sounds like a lot, but basically what he's saying is you've been made holy as a believer. That is the purpose of being a believer, to be taken from rags over here to holiness through the Spirit of God. You need to remain over here. You need to continue to be holy. You don't need to give up and revert to your old ways back over here, but remain in the sacred and holy and set apart things. That's the reason you're a believer. Now turn back with me to Philippians 1, back on page 1348. More to, the, more to the point, this, this deceptive teaching of sainthood, of becoming a saint, of being deified, of being pictured and stained glass and being worshipped and being prayed unto, has stolen from a very significant point Paul makes here in calling the Philippians saints. He's not commending them for some act of courage or spiritual brilliance, but he is affirming who they are called to be, set apart as believers, and live different than the world for the Lord's sake. See, everything Paul says is not for our sake, but the Lord's sake. The reason there's no unity in the church is because we've made unity about us, about our wants, our desires, about the, the feasting of the flesh about encouraging people and where they're at, about saying, oh, it's, it's okay, it's okay, the Lord knows your heart. Paul doesn't do that. He refuses to accommodate the flesh and the body of Christ. He refuses to allow people to be commended for their good work to edify their flesh. Instead, Paul edifies the spirit. He calls them to be saints, to continue being saints for the Lord's sake. We'll, 
we'll see continued importance on this because unity in the church is not the result of a Christian saint club. Instead, being saints means we are committed to being holy and set apart for his sake. Unity is and will always be about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So next, Paul is going to pray for the Philippians, rooted in two ideas. The first is fellowship, and the second is sharing. Fellowship and sharing. So let's read together in verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1 in Philippians. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from this day until now. In verse 5, the majority of translations use the word partnership or participation. In the translation we're reading from, the New King James or the King James, both translations say fellowship. These are all the same word, partnership, participation, fellowship. We'll read on. Let's start again in verse 5 and read to verse 7. Paul says, For your fellowship in the gospel from this day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, for you are our partakers with me of grace. In verse 7 it says, partakers, some translations say partners or sharers. Paul tells, uh, Paul uses this word fellowship or partakers or partnership, and I say all of those because I want you all to grasp that single meaning. Fellowship and partner or partaker or share. And these words are uniquely connected in Greek. They come from the same root word. And what Paul's trying to do here is pull these points together and say they cannot be divided. See, to be sharing in the grace of God, to be partnering in the grace of God, means that we are first in fellowship with the Spirit. These words are central to Paul's message. And it is the reason that he thankfully prays for the Philippians. It is the reason that he is excited to write this letter and not discouraged. I should tell you that this idea of fellowship has been among my favorite biblical words. And probably something that I have continually longed for as an adult. Fellowship. However, the Lord has been radically changing my understanding of the meaning of this word and his spiritual intention for the church and for our church. The Greek word we read as fellowship or partnership is koinonia. Maybe a word that you've heard. It's an exciting Greek word that Bible teachers like to focus on. Koinonia. It's a fascinating word. And there's really no English equivalent that comes close to its meaning. Because this word koinonia captures this interactive relationship that a believer shares with God. 
with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. It also conveys how we as believers, we who are gathered together in Jesus' name, are together participants in God's work and his purpose through the gospel. Here's here's a way to think about this idea of fellowship. Fellowship could be the language that God uses to communicate with us. If we know that the, excuse me, so if, if, if this is the language that God communicates with us as believers, if we know that language, then it should bind us together with other believers, right? It should allow us to communicate with other believers, However, if we are not in fellowship with God, or if we are not in fellowship with the Son, if we are not in fellowship with the Spirit, then we have no language to communicate with other believers that is different than the world. If we do not have fellowship with the Trinity, then we can have no fellowship with one another that is different from the world. I hear this word used in the workplace, right? good team building word let's have some fellowship let's go out after work for a drink let's go to the coffee shop together and really fellowship right what then is different about the world and about the church if we don't have fellowship with the spirit if we're not speaking the same language that the spirit speaks to us then we have no words for one another that are unifying and edifying for the body of Christ we need to call it what it is Vanity, worthlessness, the flesh. That's because this language, this fellowship is not for fun or friendship. It is for God's purpose and his will and his glory alone. Fellowship has become a popular word for what takes place at church dinners, coffee shops, small groups, Bible studies, and Sunday schools, has it not? It's a feeling that some people have merely when they're around others associated with church. Not even people they need to know really well. And they get the endorphins of fellowship flowing and feel really great about themselves. I myself am guilty of romanticizing the breaking of bread together. Or even idle talk about the Dallas Cowboys if it's done with believers. But scripture describes something far grander that we are missing out on if we are not in fellowship with the Spirit of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 if you're in the church Bible page 1255. Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Luke is writing about how the early church, early church grew as the Spirit of God was poured out, right? A great famous passage that many like to read referring to the glory days of the church, right? When the Spirit was poured out so thick that everyone could not help but be in unity and speak in different tongues that, that others understood. 
of having things in common and leading and doing as the Spirit was leading. Read with me in verse 41 and 42. It says, Then those who who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts 2 is talking about the immersion of new believers and the ways of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They're not hanging out in the fellowship hall. Turn next with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 over just a few pages, 1310. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, page 1310. We've already read a few times in 1 Corinthians. We'll read again. And, and particularly, Paul is writing about how we are to be in fellowship with the Lord and join together with a spiritually unified mind. Read with me in verses 9 through 11 of chapter 1. God is faithful, Paul writes, by whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, that those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. So Paul writes to the Corinthian church, who's in a similar spot as the church at Philippi, right? There is a division in this church. Paul doesn't care what it is. He doesn't want them to shake hands. He doesn't want them to act like it's not there. He wants them to remember that they were bought with a price. That they entered into fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And as a result, they need to be in one mind that is the mind of Christ, that is the Spirit of God. He pleads with them to be unified as a result of their fellowship with the Lord. Turn to one last place. 1 John 1 on page 1398. 1 John chapter 1, page John writes to the churches in Asia, the churches that that Paul didn't get to yet start when he was in Philippi. These churches had been infiltrated by false teachings, people that were dragging God's people away from the, the core truths of following Jesus. So they're written to to get a refresher on Christian truths. Read with me what John writes in verses 1 through 4, That which is from the beginning that we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands and handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. 
And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that our joy, excuse me, that your joy may be made full. John makes this plain. He tells us that to have fellowship with one another is only possible by having fellowship with the Father and the Son. It's the only way. The only fellowship that we can have is predicated on being unified with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that then fellowship that we have is not warm and fuzzies by sitting around a table or holding hands or having things physically in common. It is by having all things spiritually in common. Fellowship. Unity with God and the Son and the Spirit. This is what excites Paul to write to the Philippian church. He knows that there is a great disagreement among Judea and Syntyche that is aiming to divide the church. And we're going to talk about how he responds to that in the next few weeks. I join Paul in this spiritual excitement because I see why he wants us to have the same mind. If we become bondservants, if we allow God total claim to our lives, then we can be in fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. If we live as saints, set apart for his purpose from the world and from our flesh and from our families and our friends and the things that we want, then we can have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And if we have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, then we can hear and speak language that will bring fellowship to this body of believers. Then there can be unity in this place. I pray it would be so. Amen. Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there, whom 
satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. One with Himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God.